show where we talk about game soundtracks and shit. I'm the number one Chevy Equinox EV enthusiast, Exotic Minivan. I am Canada's number one mini mini electric enthusiast, Lifefire53. I still drive around a Dorito, EJ Soybean. <laughs> My name changes every episode of the podcast. Today, you may call me Potato Bug Johnson, and I am the <laughs> Forza 5 Edition 1970 GMC Jimmy Defender of this group. I think that's the best name you've ever come up with. I'm honored. And best subtitle? <laughs> We actually got our first response. Uh, what? Uh, yeah. Um, so it's from my own flesh and blood. Uh, my brother, my middle brother, who wants to be called by name, Andrew. Thank you very much. Uh, he's our first Google Podcast subscriber. So we are on Google Podcasts, everyone. So you can listen All right. to there. Yeah. Uh, Apple Podcasts, and then the uh, best one, Spotify. And if you listen anywhere else, you're still a nerd. So Google Podcasts is my choice. I use Apple. I use the Pirate Bay. <laughs> um, Which so one do you he, use? Uh, so the so the games that he shouted out were a game called California Speed, which I don't remember. And Primal Rage, which he says were both games that were at that aforementioned dog track. Uh, dog track is like a horse track, except with dogs. Um, Thank you for yeah. elaborating. Of course, in case you didn't listen to the last episode. So, um, want to give a shout out to my brother Andrew, and he said his gamer tag. So, if you really want to play with him on Xbox, his gamer tag is a Rizzy a r i z z i e is is boss b-o-s-s a rizzy is boss with no spaces so have fun with that so thank you andrew for sending in our first response and thank, thank you for you, subscribing andrew. on google Podcasts. we really appreciate it now now on to what we've been playing this week uh this week i have played nothing because i have been insanely sick um my my son has been in daycare for about three weeks and that's about how long i've been sick it's been incredible we're finally getting over it um, but since we talked about arcades last week, I have an incredible story. So, uh, we had my mom take our son for, for an evening so we could go to the arcade and we went to main event because my job gave me a hundred dollar gift card and my sister-in-law gave me a $25 gift card. So we ate, we ate some food, some arcade food. It was fine. But then of course... Where was the first place I... What was the first game I was looking for, guys? Tron? Uh, no. And they if I had to guess, it would probably be... Oh, Guitar Rock Hero. And Guitar Hero, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I went over... game. Yeah. So I went and found the Guitar Hero arcade, and I was like, oh, babe, let's play. She's like, okay. So I'm looking through the songs, and I was like, oh, Rocky Like a Hurricane. That's a pretty fun one, so... Uh, she's playing bass, I'm playing guitar, I'm playing on expert, she's playing on medium. And we're just rocking out, having a good time. They actually fixed the guitars up so they feel better. Not great, but still much better. And then nice. someone came by and was like, dang man, you're really good. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm pretty okay, but... And he's like, no, dude, you're like really good. And I was like, well, you know, I've been playing for a little while. And he's like, 
do you think you can play Cliffs of Dover? And I was like, I don't know. I can sometimes. And he's like, I was like, oh, I can see if we if we could do that. And then he pulled out a card. He's like, don't worry, it's on me. And he paid for both of us <laughs> to play the song. Um, and then so I started playing it, and then I hear him go, "Hey guys, come over here, check this guy out." And like six or seven guys come over and start watching me play the <laughs> song. I was so nervous. My legs were shaking the entire time, and I did end up beating the song. Um, there's a couple of parts where I'm kind of shaky and sometimes can't pass, but basically, uh, my wife had my back, and she's like, "Hey, anytime you need star power, just I I got you." I'm like, "All right, sweet." So I made it through, and the guy's like, "Dude, that was amazing," and I was like, "Thank you." <laughs> it was it was. What I'm hearing is that you're a guitar hero. I sure am. Mm. A literal guitar hero. I was telling Lifefire, it reminded me. I felt like Kyle from South Park during that Guitar Hero episode where he's in the bowling alley just playing for everyone. So yeah, it was uh and we went around, we played some air hockey. It was very fun. Um and we were waiting the whole time for the basketball connect four, but it was always busy and by the time <laughs> I can't make this shit up. By the time we got there, we didn't have enough credits for both of us. So we had to play against oh, the computer, no. and of course the computer is a fucking computer and totally kicked our ass. Oh my god. Yeah. So skill levels for children. <laughs> wait, no, wait. Kick your ass. Never mind. <laughs> Damn. Not not skill level for children. Yeah, it's very busy, and every worker was insanely pissed. Uh, we actually got too much stuff in the gift shop, and the guy was like, "Ah, it's okay. I just I don't want to deal with it." And I said, "That's fair. You're doing a great job. Thanks." <laughs> so oh, we got like Lord. fifty fifty points worth of extra stuff. So <laughs> that was very nice. So, Lightfire, what have you been doing this week? Uh, so this week we played Forza Horizon 5 on the Sunday, as you were well aware. We also played Forza on the Thursday when the new season, the there. Dirt season, came out. You were there on the Dirt season. <laughs> I know. <laughs> don't, don't you dare lie to the listener. I know. That's also when I was, like, the most sick. So you're like, do you want to do, like, more stuff? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I want to go to bed. <laughs> And then yeah, Friday I wasn't uh wasn't able to play anything. Saturday I had a really long work day. So Sunday I mean I did uh Lightfall on the Tuesday, I did Lightfall on the Wednesday, then there was some Forza on Thursday. And then but yeah, it was like Sunday that I really got to uh uh got to play Saturday and Sunday. And I did finish the campaign, though I did get spoiled by someone I trusted. Yeah, I wonder who the fuck that was. Yeah, they should be de-pantsed and flogged in the neighborhood. <coughs> Drawn and quartered. Yeah, at least it was only minor spoiling for the mission I was just going to go into, but... But, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of life all. Uh, I did some Assassin's Creed Odyssey today. I've nailed out a few more achievements, because I need to... Keep going through on that game because I still have a huge list of single player games to go through. And this season is just starting up for Destiny. Uh, there is still quite a bit that I can work on. I think I've spent over like 75 upgrade modules in the past day and a half. Damn. A lot of upgrade modules. That's so many upgrade modules. That's impressive. That is a lot. And that and that was only on the one character. It was just trying to keep because. I was like, I could either do only the one build, like I could only play Strand, but 
with the new surge system, everything right now is like a stasis surge. So I had to at least get my stasis build back up to par and I don't only really want to use two surges. Uh, so I did some solar stuff where I could. But yeah, I spent a lot of uh, a lot of upgrade modules. That's what I played this week. Uh, I believe that brings us up to the soybean who has not been playing Lightfall. Yeah, no. Uh, oof, this week. Well, Friday was a, I had military duties, so you really don't get too much time because uh, you got to wake up early Saturdays and Sundays to go do that. So you know how fun those were. Uh, well, at drill, I could at least say I was playing Dokkan on my phone. So those that's the freedom and that I had in studying for a test at the same time. So it's not like I had a lot of time to play, but I did play Dokkan, which is pretty cool. I got one of the LR Final Form or Fusion Samasu that I've been trying to get because he's just one of my favorite characters from Dragon Ball. And the fact that I was able to pull him is just lovely to me. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. Depressing, I guess. Drill when you have to work on Saturday and Sunday, which you normally are off, but not too crazy. Light, you already went. Dying, your turn. Who? Oh, I forgot, Mr. Potato Head. I apologize. I, I never meant to disrespect you in any way said before. Thank you. Oh, man, we're in the third episode, and you're still fucking up the name? <laughs> Jesus. Listen, I can, I'm not remembering the sentence that he said. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. So, yes, I've been playing um, lots of Lightfall, and I will share my thoughts on that in a moment. Um, I also finally got my Joy-Cons back from Nintendo this week. Um, so, nice. Or last, the past week, I mean. So I started continuing my run of Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Um, specifically on Super Mario 64, I've still yet to ever really play Sunshine or Galaxy. I'm going to work on those next. I was while going through this week attempting speedrun glitches where i knew they were just to see if i could i was able to get some of them um definitely not all of them it's insane what speedrunners get away with in that game um also i'm doing an 120 star speedrun which means i have to collect every star that is very fast coming back to bite me in the ass. Um, so far, my least favorite two courses have been Hazy Maze Cave and the, uh, what's it called, Shifting Sandland. Both for the same reason, uh, which is the 100 star coin, or 100 s coin star, there we go. Both of them are completely and utterly miserable to do just for different reasons. Uh, the unforgiving platforming, the lack of coins, basically having to kill pretty much every single enemy that's in the course in order to have a hope to get enough. Shifting Sandland specifically, you have to go inside the pyramid in order to have enough coins, and there's no way out once you get into the pyramid. I didn't know that the first time that I attempted a 100 coin star for that map. And as a result, I basically had to exit the course and start again, because I had already collected all the stars in the pyramid. Because I didn't think to check first. Um, anyways, I think I have like 35 stars left. I have two of the Castle Secret stars, 
and I have the um, courses 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 to go. Earlier today, I just finished course 10, which was Snowman's Land. I've been told that TikTok Clock and Rainbow Road are going to be the ones that really make me want to pull my teeth out, but I don't see how they're going to be any worse than the shit that I was dealing with in Hazy Maze Cave or Shifting Sandland. Yeah, um, in addition to Mario 64 this week, I've been playing Lightfall, as we mentioned. I had Tuesday off uh, the launch day, so I wasted no time, hopped right into it. I beat the Legendary Campaign in one and a half sittings, and by that I mean I did everything up to the final boss in like a 13 and a half hour stream or so. Uh, just was falling asleep at the wheel for the final boss. I was like, I'm gonna, you know, get some sleep, try this again in the morning before I have to go to work. Got up, booted up my Xbox, and immediately on the first try, knocked Callus out of the park. Um, I'm really enjoying... Jeez, him. I'm really enjoying Lightfall so far. I'm not going to dignify that question with a response at the moment. Um, but also, yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> Love it. As I'm sure you will as well, pleb. Anyway. Um, where was I with that before I was so rudely interrupted by Soybean, the persons whose name I can still remember? Anyway. <laughs> Oh, damn. I'm giving Lightfall probably like an 8 out of 5 out of 10 right now. Um, a lot of my qualms with the game were pretty much immediately resolved with time. It feels like um, the campaign, I still have some story issues with. Um, I'm always a bit of a stickler for MacGuffins. So when MacGuffins are a thing and they stay a thing instead of becoming meaningful, um, I have issues with that. And without spoiling too much for our friend here that hasn't gotten to experience it yet, um, we still have no fucking clue what the veil is. And it's, you know, apparently the thing ever. So, like, the fact that it's the thing ever and super important and key to all of this, and we know literally next to nothing about it, is, is, is a tinge frustrating. Just, just a tinge. Just a small, teeny, tiny bit. Um, but... You know, literally every content creator and their mother is saying that right now. So, like, hardly any new thoughts for me there. Um, Neomuna, a lot of people said, felt empty at the beginning. I disagreed with that, and I still do disagree with it. I think now that a lot of people are done with the campaign and are actually, like, messing around and on patrols and doing the terminal overload and this and that, that Neomuna feels a lot better for everyone involved. Um, kind of, sort of, because now there's, like, a crazy rip red border chest farm glitch thing that's going on so now everybody's doing that instead of like actually doing the thing and of course you know that makes it feel kind of dead again and then people who are just actually trying to play the activities are getting frustrated that people are joining and then leaving when they see that it's not already on the final boss so that feels kind of bad but other than that been having a great time with I almost said beyond lightfall. Um, not quite. As a few, yes, a few years back. But 
overall having a great time with Lightfall. Strand is amazing. Probably the best subclass we've ever gotten in the game. I love the grapple. But that's my review of Lightfall so far. 8 out of 5 out of 10. Uh, we'll see what changes with the raid. I am very excited for it. This is the first, first world's first that I won't be competing in in like two years. Um, but I'm very excited to watch instead of doing my job at work on Friday. And yeah, that's what I've got in terms of Lightfall. What's our uh, topic for the day? Oh, I also, uh, just totally unrelated to what the topic of the day is, just want to give a quick shout out to the soundtrack for Destiny 2 Lightfall. Fucking amazing stuff. It was good. It hasn't been the my favorite of the soundtracks, but Destiny usually has a banger soundtrack. Uh, whenever I was deciding, uh, I assume maybe I'm wrong. I assumed all of us were going to have Destiny Two as part of ours, so I just picked a I picked an expansion that had most of my favorites on there. Hmm. Oh, see, I picked a favorite song, like a a single track that I picked as my favorite. Oh, I have I have that too, but um, but like overall, because I still have like. You know, like an entire soundtrack, like an expansion. That's my overall my favorite, and then a favorite song from that. Surprise, surprise! I'm probably the only one who doesn't like. I don't mind the sound and, and the music coming from Destiny. Like some of the, I don't mind the sound from the game. Yeah, I don't mind the yeah, sound. Yeah. I usually just yeah, the it. jumping and the the shooting and the um, yeah, right. Hold on, hold on, hold on, while I open this door, while you kill three wasted enemies. Yeah, love hearing that. Yeah, no. I don't mind the music. I don't know, but I just feel like I need a little more. Yeah, my general thoughts for Lightfall was that it's pretty, pretty good. Um, I've been, I enjoyed the campaign as, as the potato bug did mention that yes, there was a, a thing that was the most thing ever. However, you know, the thing wasn't c clearly explained, but they did do a touch more on the explaining a little in like post campaign story. Yeah, smidge. But yeah, it was it was a thing that very wasn't uh wasn't very clearly explained what it was, what it did, but it was important. Oh yeah. Though I've also appreciated the uh the uh the content creators all decrying it as well as uh somebody making a very valid point about the cutscenes, how the opening cutscene and the ending cutscene actually synchronize entirely, and it's like they shoved an entire campaign in between two cutscenes. We were true. It's, it's a theory that actually holds some water. Uh, I don't think it holds as much water as other people think it does, um, but it, the cutscenes itself... Um, at least support the argument that they're trying to make. Strand itself um, initially was whelmed on I was uh, when they had everything but like three fragments locked uh, to, behind it. Um, so I was very whelmed by it, but then they, less than two days later, they were like, actually, yeah, let's just open it up for everybody to make use of. And Strand suddenly became a lot more fun to use. Uh, you could use it and make actual builds with it. Uh, I've only played it on my Hunter. I was going to play it on my Warlock uh, the other day, but my uh, partner uh, decided to uh, hold back a little bit on time, and then we just didn't have the time to play later. So hopefully that will be later on in the day. But, 
Strand itself is pretty fun. Uh, Neo Muna, I do say it, it did feel, feel really empty. Uh, I explained this to Potato at the time, where I was loading into entire patrol zones with zero people and doing entire public events with zero people, and I just wasn't actually able to complete them because they've added a light-level um, modifier to the patrol zones so that you will always be five power underneath. So that's always meant to be challenging, but... It does make uh, a stark contrast where you used to be able to do a heroic public event all on your own, and then suddenly you can't even do a basic public event on your own, and there's nobody coming. But now that more people have completed the campaign, and as you know, Potato mentioned, yeah, there is the uh, the uh, the bug there. Um, just it does feel more lively. Uh, I've really enjoyed the one public event, the Vex Strike Force, where it's just like, hey, you have 11 minutes to destroy six mega bosses. I've yet to get it. Ugh, jealous. I did it once, and it was, it was interesting. Uh, I was still running like a half baked strand build, so it was a little bit more challenging than anticipated. And they do actually list on the map when that one is going to be the event. But all in all. UI updates have been fine. I am very lukewarm on Guardian ranks, uh, just because everything in there seems to be achievable until you get the raise your combination score to 750, and it's like, oh, that's that's going to be the grind to get from 6 to 7, which means that unless I want to go grind Gambit or Crucibles or something, uh, I am just going to stay rank 6 forever. Uh, especially since I heard somebody talk about what ranks 1 through 5 are. And it was things like equip a shader, dismantle a legendary weapon, gain an exotic weapon. And then you get to, and you do that all the way up to like rank 6, where then you start getting like some actual challenges. And even then it's like stun 6 barrier champions, stun 6 overload champions, stun 6 unstoppable champions, get 750 accommodation store. I guarantee one of those is going to be like Sherpa 50 people through the newest raid. Complete three <laughs> solo flawlesses back to back to back blindfolded and with a stick up your ass and this and that. It's going to be oh, nuts. I, for, <laughs> be well, I imagine for like 9 and 10, yeah, there will be a complete a master of this, complete master of that. Well, there's 11 ranks in total. Like Paragon's got to be nutty. But, but at the same time, like they started everyone with six, and they were like, oh, to uh, actually differentiate the veteran players from the actual veteran players, because rank six makes you a veteran, apparently. Um, they're like, you have to be able to grind 750 accommodation score, which is the... Currently, everyone's just going and playing Gambit. Well, there's also a glitch where everyone loads into something like Last Wish, switches on extinguish mode Petra's run or goes into Master Wellspring, they just insta-fail the event and it counts as event completion, which allows people to give commendations. So people are literally oh, wow. loading into activities real quick, killing themselves, and then being like, hey, great work, everyone. Here's free cards. <laughs> because if there's one thing that the Destiny community is good at, it's cheesing mechanics and making things that Bungie worked decently hard on completely and utterly useless. Well, but also, too, in a similar vein, I was doing some Crucible matches the other day, 
and we got mercyed for two of them, and it wouldn't let me accommodate anybody for in those mercy matches. It would say that I've already delivered uh, two accommodations. And I was like, I've delivered zero. That's but odd. I'm watching other people hand them out, so I really didn't know what was going on. But either way, the accommodations have been lukewarm. Uh, Guardian ranks in general. Um, the UI looks fine. It's a it's a UI. Uh, Strand is a vibrant green color, which was is shocking when you see um, Strand weapon shoot or like you see it on somebody's subclass thing, like the Crucible. Vibrant green, which is good. Uh, the campaign does feel like Strand the campaign. On top of the, you know, you have the thing, go get the thing. What is the thing? Oh, I don't know. But we got the thing. Until you don't have the thing. It was all about the thing. But Strand, there was a full-on Rocky sequence in for that. I did love which that. Which I did enjoy some of it. Until, yeah, the second uh, The cutscenes have been fine. People are like, oh, Nimbus's voice. And I was like, the only thing that I'm not 100% sold on Nimbus, and I think it's just they have to explain it, is that he's a little bit too, or sorry, they're a little bit too lighthearted. But I think that's because, and it's just a personal theory, I don't think they've actually confirmed it, but I'm pretty sure Nimbus is like 14 or 15. Like, I'm pretty sure Nimbus is a teenager. I think Which would then right. explain a couple of the things. Like the, hey, we just did the thing, and let's high-five. The actor that uh, does the voice for Nimbus said that that's their personal interpretation of the character, that um, Nimbus is 15 or so, and is just now experiencing the world, and also now knows that they're going to be dead by 25, which is a great outlook when you're fighting a war for the entire like universe, basically. You know? <laughs> so, like... Hell of a coping me mechanism, and, like, my one gripe was completely resolved in the post-campaign, where we actually see some emotional depth to um, Nimbus reacting to the events of the campaign. Yes, there was some uh, character growth post-campaign. I was honestly more annoyed with Osiris. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Osiris, Inspire the Watcher is the most self-centered person. He's like, we, we are doing this because the, the witness is seeing things in my dreams. And it's like, you're being a little self-centered here. You're being a little presumptuous. And then he carries that throughout the entire campaign. And it's like, Osiris, you're being a whiny child. Oh my god. You were supposed to be this knowledgeable Regal figure. Um, you're supposed to be like one of the most uh, important sources of information ever. And all you've done this entire campaign is be a whiny bitch about things. No, he definitely has. He's. I think he's been complaining too much. I I was a little a little over Osiris by the end of the campaign. He said Vel like fifty times and never goes into detail on like how does he know about it. You, you should finish the campaign. <laughs> you should finish I, the campaign. <laughs> I, he knows about it because of uh, because of Abathin. Rasputin. He knows what the veil is because of Rasputin. He, but though some of it he probably does know because of Savathun as well. I would I would say yes, but. Like, we were literally told of its existence through um, Rasputin last season. Yeah, right before he died. He was just, he, I mean, he gave that message, and it was just like, hey, yo, this is what it is. 
and this is what it ain't. Your princess is another castle on Neptune. Now, granted, the setting of Neomuna, fantastic. I've enjoyed having a city that is not completely destroyed in ruins. It's not a tetanus shot waiting to happen. It's not apocalyptic. It is a vibrant futurescape city, which I thoroughly enjoy. And another thing is that a lot of the campaign setting has destructible items. Like, you can see the actions of, for instance, I was running Caliban's Hand, uh, which is a hunter exotic gauntlet where the proximity knife, if you kill something with it, it causes the enemy to ignite, um, which is just a gigantic explosion, which then chains other gigantic explosions. And it was interesting to see the consequences of me throwing my throwing knife and watching half the room fall apart. Like, it was just knife to see that while it's a future setting, it is breakable. Yeah. Including the door. The door. I kind of like how they made um, all the humans kind of go into the hibernation thing or the virtual reality world, whereas it's like, that's how they live. Like, they just choose to live virtually. Well, and people are like, oh, the city feels empty because all the city's inhabitants are in virtual space. I'm like, well, that's kind of true. You can also still see them. They're the little blue and yellow lights that you see around the city. Yeah. I mean, where you get your patrols from. Yeah, they're, they're there. They're holographic just... cats. And... I think just people just, they want to find something to nag about. I mean, nothing's ever perfect, right? That's the yeah. community. What? Exactly. I mean, I'm not I'm not throwing or pointing any elbows at anybody. All my elbows pointed. Um, but I feel as though, like, you know, as a community, we need to look at it and be like, it's a growing process. Yes, Witch Queen was, in some people's eyes, one of the best campaigns that were out there. But it, it took a long time to get to that point. There was a lot of buildup for Savathun and all the shenanigans that she was going to put herself into. So... I think what the grape is is that everyone, and I'm pretty sure, like, I'm pretty sure we hold the agreement that Witch Queen has been one of the best campaigns and that this was a significant step back in storytelling. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, there was a minor fumble. It was a relatively major fumble. Now, I mean, we can't go too much into depth to it because Soybean still hasn't completed it and it's technically not even a week old yet. So, how much campaign we talk about shouldn't should be mildly moderated if anything i don't know i'll just compare it to a vehicle because at least put exotic in the same conversation here where it's just like you see that one car for that one year and you're like man that thing looks beautiful and then all of a sudden you have you know fucking crosses on your tires (laughs) 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 you have crosses on your tires and you're asking yourself what went wrong you had all this opportunity, and you decided to put crosses on your tires. That's that's one way to change the subject. Okay. <laughs> in, in short, I was disappointed by the campaign. It could have been better. It wasn't the worst campaign we've had, though. Um, that's for sure. Uh, I've oh no, not by a long shot. I mean, the season's also amazing too. So it's not like the season's bad. I hate to say it, it's almost on par with Beyond Light. The only thing is that they focused a lot more on Strand than uh, uh, than Beyond Light did on Stasis. Yeah, it draws a lot of comparisons because like Beyond Light was retroactively made better with the seasonal content, the raid, um, and then the stuff that followed at the year the year after, which is very much I think going to be the case with this, where new subclass is pretty good. Uh, they actually did a really good job of launching it balanced on from the get go. 
which is really good because like stasis took a long time to find its footing yeah, it um to mix both well in pvp and pve and right now a few potential broken builds aside like stasis or strand seems pretty overall balanced in a good way um in both pvp and pve it's not oppressive but there's a lot of fun you can have with it and a lot of cool shit to do the gripe i had with strength launch was the fact that they decided to lock the fragments and then two days later decided to change that it was the why didn't you just launch it like this to begin with why did why why was it considered a an option to lock most of the uh the new subclass behind uh one week from launch because it was like march 7th that they were uh, unlocking half of them and then the other half were like behind world's first race it was like why couldn't you just like we, i know they've in the past did that with like two or three fragments um but they locked most of strands uh customization behind a needless time gate yeah, it was it was four. It's usually they they usually uh, put four behind the raid, um, because Bungie is very much a company um, that is of the if it ain't broke don't fix it variety. They once they find something that a single time the community says yes we like this give us more of this or we don't actively say anything negative about they will keep doing it until we start saying negative things about it and then they will change it the signal model from last year that people are kind of tired of it took multiple seasons um of people complaining about that before they finally announced that they were working on changes i do think that they caught on a lot sooner than a lot of people are going to realize because they're game devs and they know a lot more about building this game than we do. Bungie's outright said how far in the future their uh, their dev cycle is. Like, while they were just finishing up uh, Season 19 um, for, uh, or sorry, Season 20? Is that what Seraph was? Either way, when they were, as they were saying, they were finishing up Season, yeah, they were finishing up Season of the Seraph. They had already finished uh, Season of defiance they were already mostly done on season of deep and that they were actively developing uh season 23 like they were just or 22 rather but they were just like we are like three quarters of a year ahead so while they can get feedback it takes time for them to actually react to it because they're so far in the future yeah, no, it takes time for sure. And like, they're not just going to on a whim go and immediately scrap everything that they've been working on just for the sake of like people's impatience. Like, that's not how game dev works. It's just not. So, I mean, that's not how anything works, honestly, at this point, right? So it's just like, give them time. I feel like over time, they know what they're, what they're capable of. I feel like because they're working on a new IP too. Like they're also trying to spread their their abilities across multiple channels, and like people keep forgetting that that they are developing a new IP. Like that's something that they're they're actually actively working on. So that's another thing that could be pulling resources too. So, you know. So the flip side of that coin is that they've also hired a lot more employees. Yes. So that they would have the employees to work on the new IP and. Though that said, some of Destiny's big names, like uh, Kevin Yates, for instance, have moved over to that new IP. I'm still 
not unconvinced that Destiny continues on with a spiritual successor and the next 10 years of Destiny goes under a new name. Like, I don't know what you'd say instead of Destiny. Like, uh, the, the thing is that they've explained that it's a saga. Yeah. So, for it, so that it's, while well, we are finishing off the main story and it truly leaves the question of, okay, where the hell do we go from here? I would think they would say if they were done with Destiny, they would have yeah. announced it. But they've said that they're done with the saga. Yeah. I mean, they've said they were done with the Master Chief, with Halo 3, but then they still developed ODST and Reach. They still played in the universe. That is true. So that's still continuing more or less Halo saga. It's just a new chapter. That's what I'm thinking. I think they kept mentioning it and mentioning it. Well, in this in this galaxy, in Seoul, but in other areas, and I feel like that that to branch out to grow, like they they might have to move away from Seoul, like to continue the story. And it's just for me in my mind, I'm like, how else are you going to be able to move on from the witness, from the traveler, unless you completely wipe them all out as characters and starting from scratch? Like you know what I mean? Like that's that's in my mindset of like moving a story forward is is getting rid of the holding pieces that you currently have to open your hand to bring in more and getting rid of those characters will be probably at one way or another like a point that they might go on well they said that they're finishing up the uh, the saga of light and darkness but we know the traveler isn't the light we know that the witness isn't the darkness yeah true so true 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 so I'm wondering if they're finishing up with the Traveler and the Witness, and they're going to move us over to a new setting, like a new galaxy or something, with a new set of uh, forces, a new set of critters to fight against. I mean, Osiris touched on that one a lot. I mean, even some of the credits I have seen where he's speaking of like, hey, you know, we honestly thought we were better because we tra- we had the Traveler on our side and was wielding the light, and now he's starting to realize that it's the, the same way how everyone looks at technology, right? Like technology is not inherently bad or good. It's the people who use it will make it bad or good. And I feel like with the witness, it's using darkness in a bad way, but it's not inherently bad. It's kind of like how um, Destiny's Dark Age, you know, there were the warlords who still had the light, but they were very clearly not good people. Some exceptions barred, like um, Lord Shax, for instance, but, and you can... Technically, even state the Iron Lords, because while they were not warlords per se, they were still figures of authority that uh, exerted control over an area. So it's not necessarily the tools that are good or evil; it's the uh, the person who wields that tool. Mhm, mhm. I agree, hundred percent. But speaking of tools, you know what some people use as tools? Soundtracks. Screwdrivers. Outside of that. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that we should actually move forward with our segment today and actually talk about our track that we enjoy so much about some of the games that we play. Well, before we get there, (laughs) it's time for everyone's favorite segment. All right, let's go. The Let's Netflix Kids Show of the Week. <clears throat> so this week, this is one that my wife found. It's called Go Dog Go. 
which is apparently based off the Dr. Seuss book, Go Dog Go, which we did read for research sake. <clears throat> um, and I can was tell it, you was that it this to your show... child? Uh, no, this was just for us. Um, <clears throat> I can and and I can attest that the show has absolutely nothing to do with the book at all. Well, I guess that's a lie. There's some things they took from the book, but they also like basically the first episode's the book, and then everything after that is just dog shit. Um, but we'll get to that. So. I'm gonna give you a rundown of the first episode because this because this one was so great I had to take notes. <clears throat> <laughs> so there is a lady dog, and her name is Tag. Now Tag, the first shot is Tag sleeping in the same bed with her family, and this is like an extra 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 large king because there's like eight dogs sleeping in this bed. Isn't it called a California king? It, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, a regular king is wider than California, right? Like California is just taller. <clears throat> oh, I, okay. I know there. I know there's like a super-sized king one that can hold like six adults comfortably on it. A Texas king. Well, she wakes up her family to tell them all about the fact that they're going to have a party on this giant tree at the end of town. Um, and she keeps saying "Go dog, go," so you know. Um, you know, roll credits. Like, every time she leaves the screen, she's like, go, dog, go! And I'm like, oh my god. While heading to the party, uh, she kidnaps a little blue dog from a farm. Um, well, they just moved from a farm. Uh, his name is Scooch. Uh, he keeps mentioning that he is from a farm. Did you know that he's from a farm? Because he's from a farm. And he wants you to know that he's from a farm. Um, and his mom is just okay with some stranger taking off with her son. She's just like, hey, can I go to the party? And mom's like, with who? It's like, And the lady's like, me. And she's like, oh yeah, sure, I don't know you, but yeah, take my son, that's fine. So I'll go into this party. Uh, they get caught in a traffic jam. And they're like, damn, look at all these cars. And the dogs start honking, which makes them howl, so that's pretty funny. Then, they get a ride on... <laughs> They catch a ride on the boat somehow, uh, and they meet these three dogs called the Barkapellas, and they start <laughs> singing about um, how great it is to be on a boat. Uh, and then they get caught in a boat jam, where they all start honking and howling. And I look down to start taking notes, and the next thing I look up, and they're on a blimp with the Barkapellas, and the Barkapellas start singing about how great it is to be on a blimp. Um, We're on a blimp. Yeah, and then they're like, and then the and then tags like, damn, this is taking too long because they get caught in the freaking blimp jam because this show's fucking stupid, um, and so they opt to get off and they end up at the top of a mountain. Um, I also forgot to mention that there's this pink dog that walks that keeps walking up to them with random hats and it's like, do you like my hat? And then they just say no, and she, <laughs> they say no, and then she just looks at them and says goodbye and walks away. So this has happened a few times. She she walks up to the top of this mountain with this weird hat and goes, "Do you like my hat?" And they somehow like build it to like turn into a helicopter and they fly to the party. And they're like, "We made it to the party." And it's just a bunch of dogs standing on top of a tree eating cake. And that's the episode. <laughs> um, that is. It's. It sounds like a banger. Thrilling. Oh yeah. Well, the second episode, I don't have nearly as much stuff on it. The joke is that. Um, the uh, 
that the postal worker is a dog, and the dog postal worker gets chased by dogs. Um, and they chase him all across town. Person. They chase him all across town just to welcome him to the town. Like, yeah, I don't know. This show, I, I, I can, I'll say that it's better than Gecko's Garage, but not nearly as good as Trash Truck. So, it'd go between them. So, it's probably second best of the three I've seen so far. Um, it's fine. The animation looks good. The voice acting is good. The story is fucking stupid. They make tons of dog puns, <laughs> which I absolutely despise. Like, there was the Barcapellas in a different episode were, like, singing... The, I don't know. I'd have to look up the song, but they were um, barking in the park in the dark or something like that, they said, and I went, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, and just singing like that, so... Yeah. Go, dog, go. Uh, vaguely, loosely based on the Dr. Seuss book. Uh, in which case, dogs go to a tree. And, uh, and, and party, I guess. I don't, I don't know. So, go, dog, go. All right. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, as we mentioned, we have uh, our topic this week is video game soundtracks. So, uh, when you play a video game, they tend to play music sometimes, unless you're playing an old GTA game in which they turn off the music whenever you get out of the car because they fucking hate you. Um... So some games have a okay soundtrack. Some games have amazing soundtracks. And we're going to be talking about those amazing soundtracks today. And the person that's going to start us off is going to be Lightfire, since he's the one who suggested this absolutely wonderful topic. So Lightfire, what soundtracks do you enjoy? <laughs> so the licensed soundtracks... Um, so they're all racing games because honestly, that's the only game that I've, or only type of game that I've played that has licensed soundtracks. Uh, I have specifically on here four games. Only one game has one setting on it. Um, but to start things off quickly, uh, we'll start off with my classic childhood racing game, Need for Sweet Underground 1. Mm. Uh, so the favorites that I had on there were Two Lane Blacktop from Rob Zombie, as well as The Only by Static X. And then I had Need for Speed Underground 2, which is the other childhood racing game that I had. Uh, Give It All by Rise Against, and I just enjoy Rise Against a lot. Um, as well, <laughs> I uh, have on there... Oh, sorry. Out of Need for Speed Underground 1, I still have The Hero Will Drown um, by Story of the Year. Um, but the other Need for Speed Underground 2 song I had listed here, because I didn't think to organize these primarily, uh, was Black Betty, Spider Bait's version specifically. Uh, it's a lot more heavy heavy rock compared to the traditional Black Betty, but I enjoy it. The other game that it's made it on here, uh, probably not a shocker, was Forza Horizon 5. It's the other big racing game I've played in my life and spent significant time with. Uh, so what I have listed here for Forza Horizon, I just listed three of my favorites here. Uh, so we've got Do It Better by the Blah Blah Blahs, uh, which you will have a hard time finding elsewhere because um, it exists primarily um, for Forza Horizon. Um, I also listed Nocturne uh, by Kino, um, which is uh, not technically Horizon 5, though I experienced it first in, or realistically first in Horizon 5. I think that's Horizon 2's title track. And then the other one is Levitating by Dua Lipa, yeah. uh, which is featured on Horizon <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> so good. <laughs> So good. I famously love that song. 
Yep. The, the the one other uh, track that I have listed here um, is not uh, it's on a childhood game or not even childhood game but a racing game I played when I was visiting my dad way back when um, was uh, Reach for the Sky by Social Distortion which was featured on Midnight Club Los Angeles. Oh, I like Midnight. I love that series. I do too. Like, good series. It's a good series. Yeah. You used to do outrageous stunts like off of ramps and stuff like that. But yes, those games, man, those games are fucking hard. Like, cause they're not, cause it's not like standard get from A to B. It's like get from A to B, but hit all this shit in between. So for the Destiny series, cause there's Destiny and Destiny 2, which have two different soundtracks on top of all their expansions that have different soundtracks on their own. Um, so I know some people picked an expansion that they preferred uh, for their soundtrack. Um, I, in general, ha- enjoy all of Destiny's soundtracks. Some shots are a hit, some sh- ones are a miss. Um, but I figured that I would list two songs uh, that were my favorite, one from each game. The first one, you can argue that it's technically not in the game, uh, but it was the soundtrack called The Ecstasy, found on Music of the Spheres. That was a speedy kind of album compilation that the old uh, composer, Marty O'Donnell, um, put together for Destiny's music, and they've sampled lots of the songs from it. Um, but Marty O'Donnell left the franchise, and Bungie maintained the rights for it. And then he got all bitchy about it, and so he released the music of the Spheres, which was all the original songs. And you can still find it on YouTube. It's uh, I think eight tracks. There's one for each planet plus uh, the moon. Um, but the one that I've enjoyed the most out of them is The Ecstasy, which is for Jupiter. Ooh. And I actually quite enjoyed that one. The other one I like out of that is The but I prefer The Ecstasy the most. And then for my favorite track out of Destiny 2, um, I would have to say is titled Grasp of Avarice. Uh-huh. Now, this is also a dungeon in Destiny 2. However, the track itself, Grasp of Avarice, is featured in the boss fight of that. Um, and the boss fight is done in stages. The first stage, you always kind of just have this low-lying drum beat, but it's when you actually get after the first damage phase that you then get the proper soundtrack, and that's what I enjoy the most for Destiny 2. So that's one game I enjoy. Uh, I also have listed here, and it's kind of a cop-out, but it's the Pokemon series, uh, just because Pokemon has also been a banger for their music. I'm pretty sure oh, Soybean will agree with me. Yeah, especially Black and White, but go ahead. Uh, exactly, and uh, it was actually a bl- uh, Black 2 where they had the World Tournament that I actually really enjoyed, because what they did with the World Tournament was, this. keep in mind this was Gen 5 at the time, so what they did was they had a um, more or less... Uh, a tournament where they featured previous gyms, uh, like so, like the previous gym leaders of each region. They also featured uh, the champions of each region and the elite four of each region. What they had done in the world tournament <coughs> is that they took the gym leaders' track, which keep in mind for the first four games we were all more or less the same track, and I think that's still the case. But they remixed them; uh, they brought them back up to par. Each champion has their own theme, and they, of course, remix those. But in general, I enjoy Pokemon's uh, music. Uh, And while I was just talking about how the World Tournament had fantastic music, I do still think there's one track that beats that out. And I'll see if Soybean agrees with me on this, but it's Marnie um, from Sword and Shield, her battle music. 
Yes. Yes, I did like specifically hers. near the end of the game. Yep. Uh-huh. Yes, I did like hers. Hers was hers was nice. I like hers. As well, honestly, um, Sword and Shield has just their Gigantamax Anthem. Anthem was actually pretty good. I actually like it when it kind of changes. And the gym battle theme and all that stuff. And yeah. one of the other things I like about Pokemon is that it's such an iconic series, and there's actually quite a few people on YouTube who go and remix uh, Pokemon. Uh, for instance, I really like Glitchx City, and she has some fantastic remixes of some uh, tracks there. And Pokemon Honorable Mention I'd have to make, though, um, is not out of the mainline series. It would be out of the Mystery Dungeon series, which was Sky Tower out of Pokemon uh, Mystery Dungeon Red and Blue. And I just enjoyed that track as well. Yeah, I remember when they came out with um, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, because I'm a, I'm kind of the biggest fan of the early Pokemons. Mm-hmm. It blew my mind basically seeing that game that I played a ton as a child remastered in HD, and they redid all the songs with like an actual orchestra compared to the you know bloopy bloopy Game Boy sounds they used to make. Yeah, and it, I was like. Hey, Holy hey. crap! It was no, it was really good, but like that was kind of the thing that made me actually buy a Switch because I played that and I was like, "This is like my childhood remastered." Like it's crazy, it's crazy good. I yeah. loved it. And Pokemon again has always been a banger for soundtracks. And I'll be honest, the reason why I picked this topic this week is that. I find a lot of times soundtracks can make or break a game. So, like, while there's been some Pokemon games that haven't been as great, their soundtrack, their delivery, their audio delivery of everything has been on point. And that helps set the tone. Because if your tone's not set properly, your stakes don't feel right. Another another shout-out for Pokemon uh, is the totally, totally worth it $300 GameCube game, uh, Pokemon XD. Um, yes, any in South Coliseum, in Coliseum, the music though very intense. It's like the regular battle music is really good, and then man, when you get to like a boss battle, whoo, they it really, it really ramps up, and you you really feel it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, you really feel it. Yeah, and like again, there's another track in that game that I I would tie as probably with Sky Tower. It's not as good as Marnie. Um, but it's Mirror Beast theme from XD, uh, Gale of Darkness. Uh, I'm not as much of a fan of his in Coliseum, but yeah, in XD, he's got a banger. To move on from Pokemon, though, we're going to hit another classic Bungie series, Halo. Uh, Halo, again, Ooh. has fantastic sound. <laughs> you may hate the gameplay of it, but it's got fantastic sound design. And eh. I think we'll... If, if I had to list my favorite track, because, I mean, there's a lot of really good tracks. People really like Halo, as well as the Mjolnir mix of that. Um, but I would have to go with Peril, which is specifically from Halo 2's remaster, I think it is. Um, but it's, if you were to Google it and play it, you'd be like, okay, yeah, no, you've probably heard this at some point. Um, it's what they use in one of their stealth missions, if I'm correct. But it was, it's just got such the right tone, the right beat to it. Um, it's my favorite out of Halo's tracks. Now, granted, I'm getting a refresher on all of Halo's tracks, and I haven't done three or uh, three yet, and it's been a Coon's age since I've done ODST 4 and haven't done 5. 
But out of the Halos I've played, I would have to say that Peril um, is on that list for my favorite of that game. Then up next, this was a recent uh, <laughs> a recent memory was an unlocked, um, and it was like, oh my goodness, yes, I have to make mention of this because I thoroughly enjoyed it when we revisited it for a few hours last week. But Battle Block Theaters soundtrack, fantastic, super good, super it's good. a banger. Every, it's every track is good on it, but I had to pick one track that was the best, and this one is probably the most meme of them, but. I have to say I thoroughly enjoy it for what it is. It fits the theme of the game and the theme of the level that it's for. It's the secret stage. When it's just the narrator is just uh, kind of scatting around and he's talking like secret, secret, blah, 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 secret, secret, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's a perfect tone for that that stage. All the secret tracks or secret stages have that. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the uh, the bathroom music, or just the uh, you know when you get to the end of a uh, the end of a floor, or whatever. Uh, you you're doing the time events. Uh, the song in place for that is incredible, and I love I love just the random meows they put in. Even the narrator's like meow meow meow. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> hmm. All right, you're really driving the play home. We were kidnapped by cats. I get it. <laughs> That is a game we should absolutely play through. I would like to us to our co-op playlist. I know. <laughs> Relatively <laughs> soon on that list as well. <laughs> uh, you can you can put it on the list. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. As I said, the last week I've just been sick, so that's why. Like, we got on yesterday, and you're like, "You want to do Battle Block?" And I'm like, "Nah, <laughs> I want to do something kind of mindless." Yeah, we did race cars. <laughs> Just something to just stare at while we talked. All right, I know. I know I've been through four so far. I've only got three more series that, or three more games. That I really like their soundtracks, and like these are tracks that I will listen to outside of playing the game. They exist on a YouTube playlist I own. Um, but the next one is from Legend of Zelda: The Twilight Princess, specifically. Ooh, yes, I love that one. It's the only game I've played in its entirety, but it has such a beautiful soundtrack to it. It helps set the tone, again, for a lot of the game. Uh, the one track I would have to say is the best one, though, is Hyrule Field, but when you're riding a Pona, which is the horse. Hyrule Field is interesting because it's got three different, um, more or less, soundtracks that play. There's one for when you're just running around on your feet, there's one for at night, and the night one is kind of spooky. I'm not a huge fan of it. But then there's the one that you ride your horse on, and it's the one from just the daylight running around on your feet. But they up the tempo, they add drums to it, they add horns to it, like they just increase it, and it makes it fantastic. Um, a close second was a Kurikiro Village. I feel like I mispronounced that. Um, but it's the one where they have um, right by like the steam volcano and the Gordos, but that one also has a fantastic sound. But Hyrule Village is, or sorry, Hyrule Field is just the winner there. For number two left on my soundtracks here, uh, these aren't actually in a specific order, but I have two left in this category. Uh, Assassin's Creed is a series. Uh, I don't think that's overly a shocker to anybody if you <clears throat> ever, you know, listen to me talk about the last couple podcasts. Um, but I enjoy Assassin's Creed as a series. Their soundtrack, again, pretty good. Uh, they don't usually have 
as much of a sound setting as the rest of what I've talked about here. There's a lot of like background music. Um, mm -hmm. So what I'm primarily talking about here is their themes because their main menu themes, their, uh, their trailer music. Um, that's kind of where I'm pulling at. Cause I mean, they have generic kind of sounding themes for the setting that you're in. Like Odyssey, there's a lot of Greek um, instruments mixed in there, lyres and strings and such. Uh, Egypt had a lot of, uh, again kind of like hate to say but like traditional egyptian <laughs> kind of stuff like those kinds of things um for the one that i listed here is the as the favorite song i had to go with assassin's creed 4's theme um just because it has that swell um where they use i can't tell you what the instrument is i would almost say related to a bagpipe but not um but it'd be the if you're familiar with the song, you know which one I'm talking about because it has a very quiet opening and then it swells up to a very loud, dramatic, energetic um, beat. And then the last one here, the one that I am only I am positive I am the only person who's heard this track because nobody else, even though they are like, hey, what game should I play? I'm like, hey, this is always the game I will recommend to you. <laughs> it's from Rhyme. Oh. Rhyme. It's my... I have to say Rhyme is a gem. Uh, it is not an overly long game. You can very easily complete it in about four or five hours or such. But it's a work of art, not just in its visual style, but its sound. Uh, the soundtrack is fantastic. And similar to how, and Potato will know this, uh, Destiny has its themes. Like whenever there is a leitmotif, there is this sound playing. Whenever there's Cabal, there is this kind of soundtrack. Rhyme does that. Rhyme does that, um, and they'll and they'll tweak it to fit the setting. Um, like, uh, I can't really say too much about it without spoiling what the actual premise of the game. But there is a sound for the main character. There's a sound for his companion. Uh, there is a sound for like entering certain areas and such. And they just flow beautifully. And it's my favorite, again, favorite game. Its soundtrack's a little long for my taste, uh, if I'm going to listen to it on its own. Um, the soundtrack itself is like an hour and a half, and it's like 40 tracks and such. Um, a lot of them are short, but uh, the back half is a little bit slower, sadder, due to the nature of the title. Um, but the opening, opening third is kind of my favorite of that track. Um, and so as a result, the track that I picked is off that opening third, and it does a pretty good job of encompassing everything I mentioned, is called The Island. And I hope that you guys will enjoy that little sampling that will be joining you on this podcast in a moment. specific songs for these ones um i also agree um need for speed mainly from underground through pro street those are all very very good uh, i've got plenty of songs from each of those but those ones are great and then after that they kind of suck um another one um the bioshock series is typically pretty good because they play older stuff and then one of my personal favorites for licensed music is um, Fallout 3. 
I love <laughs> Fallout 3. And I love the Fallout music 3. and I listen to That's it all so the time. Um, and I guess for my favorite Forza Horizon for music, definitely Forza Horizon 4. Uh, that's, I think I might have played Horizon 5 more at this point, but 4 will always have a special place in my heart. And the music is fantastic. So, those are my licensed ones. Now on to original sounds, or original songs. Um, I'm going to start off with a series where I mainly just like the themes, and that is Kingdom Hearts. Uh, although all the music in Kingdom Hearts is very good. Uh, my personal favorite song is the theme to Kingdom Hearts 2. It's called Sanctuary. It's very good. Uh, if you ever have a chance to watch the opening movie to Kingdom Hearts 2, please do it. It is super good. Um, I hear that's a PlayStation exclusive. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, so, uh, Kingdom Hearts mainly for the themes. Um, even though like the music is really good, but I've only really mainly listened to the themes outside of playing the games. Um, another one, which I don't really listen to it outside of the game, but it's super good, and me and my wife have been playing it recently, is Spongebob Battle for Bikini Bottom. The music... The remake? Uh, yeah. The uh, the music is actually really good. It captures the feeling of the show, and they're pretty much all bangers. Um, my personal favorite is the theme for the uh, the graveyard stage for the Flying Dutchman graveyard stage. Very good and spooky, um, which always threw me off when I was a kid because I was like, "Man, this is like a lighthearted game. What the hell's going on with this graveyard? It's so spooky and scary in here." Um, but all the like all the boss music is really good. Um, Robot SpongeBob shout out song is super good. Then tense. Um, yeah. I know it was kind of a random thing. Next up, of course, we have Destiny 2. But my pick for my favorite Destiny 2 expansion when it comes to music is Beyond Light. That was the one I came back into Destiny 2 with. A um, bunch of the songs are absolutely fantastic. I have a few here. Um, one of my favorites is Frigid Tomb, which is basically the theme song. Only it's not the theme song, but... They play that song a lot, mainly when you're walking around Europa. Uh, it's super good. Just has a good, uh, you know. It was more or less the title theme for that that expansion, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, my favorite song that plays while you're just out in your ship, I think it's called Acceptance. Uh, it's very good. Just chill piano music uh, that they play. I know uh, Potato would like me to mention Deep Stone Lullaby. Yeah, Peak Stone the, Lullaby. Uh, which he said was like, whenever we played the raid, there was a part in the raid where they played that song, and he would tell everyone to shut up so we could listen to it. Uh, well, Very for first, and the monologue for first timers, yeah, monologue. it's it's a whole atmospheric thing. I'll get into all that later. Um, and then the last one I have from here is called Lament. It's when you get the exotic weapon Lament, which is basically just frigid tomb, but like remixed. Um, it was super good. It was a nice, intense song to play while you were getting that fantastic weapon, which I still use all the time when I play the game. Next one I have here is one that you might not expect, and I didn't really expect it till I was looking through it. Of uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog series. Mm -hmm. Now, specifically, specifically, from Sonic Adventure through Sonic Heroes, they tried so fucking hard... <laughs> With all these songs, all the stage themes are crazy. Like, I'm playing and I'm like, 
they put so much effort into this. Like Mario was good and catchy, but like they did like hard electric guitar, you know, bass. It's like hard rock. And the thing I really love about those ones specifically is that the guitar, like, it's hard to explain. The guitar basically sings. Like when you, whenever you're like humming along with the song, it's just. I know it sounds weird, but like I don't know. Basically, it's, it's like it's the place of the vocals. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it, it's kind of the up front and center. Pretty much, and uh, Sonic. Yeah, no, I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, Sonic Adventure. They did that with every stage, pretty much. Sonic or Sonic Heroes. They did that too. Sonic Adventure Two. They changed it up, which was very funny. Um, I don't have a list here of exactly all the styles, but like uh, Sonic stages are all basically like that. Tales of stage, Tales and uh, Robotnik stages are both kind of more techno. Uh, Shadows is basically kind of the hard rock without the singing guitar. It's just straight butt rock, which is fine by me. They're very good. Knuckles, they rap. <laughs> um, uh, you, if you've ever played Sonic Adventure Two, you've heard of Pumpkin Hill. That one's very good. Um, uh, I think it's called Meteor Herd. As another good one, but and it's about it's a guy. It's supposed to be Knuckles rapping about finding the emeralds. It's very funny if you actually listen to the lyrics. And then Rouge the Bat, um, they play like freeform jazz with her stages. It's very strange. <laughs> it's super good, but of well, all so those, she's ones, supposed to be the sexy one. I know, right? Um, but my favorite of all those, um. If I had to pick a game, it would be probably Sonic Adventure 1, and then my favorite song from that game would be the uh, stage theme to Speed Highway, which is super good. It's got a really cool riff to it. Um, you, of course, if you listen to the original version, that's great. Sonic Generations, which they released in 2012, has a remix of that and then a re-recording that they basically did of the original version, but they kind of spiced it up a little bit, so... Uh, you got three versions to listen to, and they're all super good. I really enjoy them. Um, and I'm just going to make sure I'm not missing any. I don't think I am. Okay. The last one I want to mention is a game that I've been preaching ever since I found it on Game Pass, and that is Road 96, which is a small indie game where you are essentially just trying to escape the country. It has parallels to certain political figures, which we shall not name here. Um, and you're just playing as several teenagers trying to escape the country. Some of the songs are really, uh, are really, like, heart-pounding and intense. Some of them are really somber and sad. Um, they, and they're, they're really emotional. Um, but, you know, this is also coming from the guy where if you give me a cockroach, name him Gary, I do one mission, and then someone steps on him, I'd probably cry. So, you know quote-unquote emotional uh, my favorite song though is called far from home it's uh, a really somber tune that they play uh they play mainly when they show the um the overall map screen um just kind of setting the mood to you know you going across the country i guess i don't know the first time it came on when it showed the whole map screen i was like oh damn that that hits hard when when your when your teen is questioning like should I really be doing this, it's super good. So, uh, Road ninety six, far from home, very fantastic, fantastic game. If you haven't played it, and the soundtrack is incredible. Yeah. 
right, cool. So I'll I'll start with my like licensed ones, I guess, right? So Fallout New Vegas. Something about the Fallout New Vegas soundtrack, like the sounds that they had on the radio that you could optionally turn on and off, got me into Frank Sinatra. Like some of, I think it was Blue Moon that was like the name of the song that he that got played every every so often on the radio. And every time I heard that one, I was just like, man, something about this is just like, I like that old school, like, you know, that rhythm, that, that smoothness to it. Um, so that was definitely one, like, one of the ones I would like purposely rush the radio on to see how I can get it um, to play as frequently as I possibly can. Cause I used to love those old sounds. Um, and then soundtracks, uh, I mean, like I already touched on it a lot, Pokemon. But there is the one from Black and White 2 when you bought to fight a legendary, right? I think that's the one. That it's like it's like a slow buildup, and then it gets all the way to the top, and it just stays up there the whole time. And I could literally listen to that all day. Like, something about it is just, like, extremely, like, energizing. I could probably go for a run with that. I don't know how anyone else feels about it, but that's definitely, like, one of the ones that I'm just, like... Yeah, that that's pretty good. Um, I can't I can't even think of what that one is. It's been a while since I listened to that soundtrack, but usually it's uh, uh, everlasting em- or unending emotions or something. Bianca's theme is the one that I think of, but that's not a legendary one. Yeah, no, no, no. Black and white two legendary Pokemon battle. Um, that that soundtrack every time you ran to legendary, that one played. And I, when I was younger, of course, you never, like, it, it's not, like, something, like, you're like, oh, okay, cool. I like this sound. But then older, the older I got, the more I, like, appreciated the songs that were, you know, these some of these developers actually put their time into to actually create, not really the developers, but the people they hire to create these musics. These pieces are just, sometimes can be, like, you know, the theme is, can make or break a game. Um, so Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Just sometimes the sound of just being in the city, like you could drown out the the noise of like people talking. It's just so like inviting and then you don't want to leave, right? Which is like the theme of the game where you get into the animus and you're trying to learn history, right? So it's just like this sound I don't even know exactly what song it was. Like I have all I have the whole Assassin's Creed 2 um playlist on my phone and I occasionally listen to it and just like especially if I if I'm studying or something like that it's like one of those like you know what the Sophie type sounds where it's just like you know absorbing um so the next one after that is definitely going to be oh my god I had it right here uh it's definitely going to be my um Dead Space now you might not think Dead Space has a soundtrack but that eeriness sometimes for me just the sound in the background it's just like if it's dark and it's just like it kind of like makes me feel spooky i don't know if anyone else like scary stuff here but i like actual scary sounds and i just like hearing like the creaking the the sounds of like the pipes and it's just like i don't don't know it's just it's like weird but it's something that i like to listen to um and then what else have i played i again agree with Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild had a nice little soundtrack, especially like going into some of the areas. The Blood Moon when it used to come over, that eeriness again where the creepiness comes out of. Um, Twilight Princess also had that sound and it sounded like it was like uh, oh my god, like when it went into the the night 
and it was just like it was like a like a eerie climby sound you know what i'm talking about uh, I, I don't know how to explain it but I don't, I don't have any of these soundtrack names because i'm bad with names uh and then lastly my one that my daughter and i will fall asleep to all the time is the opening theme song for skyrim just that tone the drums the, all the sounds that come in integrated into it has knocked me out has knocked my daughter out so many times i i can't even remember the last time i haven't been able to hear that song and not want to pass out i don't know what it is maybe it's like the the, the vocals or just the, the the instruments instrumental uh things or whatever it is it puts mass to sleep i love it and it's always going to be near dear to my heart and Hopefully you guys like that one, because I like it too. Yes. All right. So starting off with my favorite licensed music games and soundtracks, we're going to start off strong with the best set list that the Guitar Hero franchise ever had, which is Guitar Hero 3 Legends of Rock. Um, specific shout-outs, uh, Cliffs of Dover, why not? Um, I do love that song. My grandpa also is a huge, huge fan of that song and tried getting me into it before I got into it, um, Before, like with Guitar Hero, with other... Um, Eric Johnson stuff. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, somebody else mentioned... There was that Imagine Dragons one. Someone else mentioned um, Rise Against Prayer of the Refugee, one of my all-time favorite songs, and uh, life-changing for me on uh, Guitar Hero 3. I am, to this day, famously still unbeated. Um, unbeatable, <laughs> I guess, is the better word. In the... <laughs> battle mode um that is contested among some however they are wrong and we can tell that story on another episode of specifically the on the wii right just a, <laughs> yeah, yes. I think specifically it was, right? on the wii yes um and i will we'll, we'll tell that story another episode of the podcast uh, as a uh hook of foreshadowing to keep you on the edge of your seat and waiting to listen uh let's see recently so i played angry. The game Hi-Fi Rush, so which had an absolutely phenomenal and very unexpected mix of licensed songs. I really liked the boss battle with Roquefort, um, who like turns into a mechanical wolf. Spoiler alert, kind of weird, but he had like a weird dubstep remix of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony by uh, Wolfgang Gartner for his boss fight music, which was just out of left field. But I remember just giggling nonstop while doing that fight, just hearing, you know, the web webs of Beethoven. Um, very, very, very fun stuff. I also, on occasion, play Forza Horizon. Some of my favorite songs on that soundtrack are going to have to be um, obviously, Levitating by Dua Lipa. I am a huge fan of <laughs> Caution by The Killers. We're also going to pull up my Spotify real quick to look at some of the other tracks that I've saved 
from that game. Shouldn't take me very long to find. Oh, I should have done uh, that. Yes. I have them on my uh, phone. I'm like, yeah, I could have done that. Zychik by Bop and Subwave, which is a Forza 5 exclusive song. Um, I believe it plays on Hospital Radio, which is the drum and bass station. Uh, Forza Horizon that, 5 that, taught me that I actually really like drum and bass. Uh, hospital is more like the house music, because there is a bass station called Bass Arena. <laughs> Yes, that's bass. Um, hospital is specifically drum and bass, and drum and bass is different from bass. Oh, I thought it was more house music, but... Yeah, well, drum and bass is like an evolution of house. Electronic music and like its subgenres is like insane. Um, a lot of it sounds very similar, but is very different. Um, and depending on who you ask, they get very particular about those um, subdivisions. I personally don't. So I, I see where you're coming from, from it being house, but just so we don't upset any potential uh, bass heads out there, it is uh, considered a drum and bass song. Uh, Straight to the Morning by Hot Trip. Can't remember what station that plays on. Similarly, All of the Time Pulse. by Jungle, which also might be Pulse, I bet. Um, and then Channel 43 by Dead Mouse, which is a song that plays during a specific moment towards the very beginning of the game where you are trying to outrace an airplane and then some stunt drivers, which is a fun mission until you have to like literally change your settings in order to beat those motorcycle assholes to the finish line. <laughs> so that's the expeditions. And I've actually found out through painful trial and error that Everything in the expedition doesn't matter until the very last second. Yep. You can fuck up the first three quarters of the race, and it will still be down to the wire right at the end. Yep. That's what <laughs> I... Or not fuck up, and it'll still be down to the wire as well. It's just... They're made to be yeah. that way. Like, yep. you pretty much... The, exped... the expeditions are outrageous fun. They um, are crazy and over the top. Mm -hmm. They always have been. That's been a Forza Horizon mainstay since the first game. The first one they ever did um, was a car versus a plane, but it was a Mustang versus Mustang, where you drove a 65 Mustang versus an old Mustang plane. It was very cool, and that was like, oh, this is what this game's going to be? And I've been hooked ever since, except uh -huh. for Forza Horizon 2. It's the only one I haven't played very much, but the other one's super hooked, especially 4. Mm. Another shout-out for 4. And this episode's sponsor, uh, OnlyFans.com slash DadBod. Yes. Give yes. them a follow. Keep it coming. You know, it keeps the lights on. It keeps the podcast going. Um, it keeps the feet shoes off the feet. It keeps shoes off the feet. Also, it keeps and the it podcast keeps going. Fed. We have seen none of this money. Where is it? <laughs> it hasn't been donated yet, so uh -oh. I haven't had any updated. <laughs> 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 All right, Daniel, continue. I'm sorry. You're okay. Um, other licensed games that I grew up on, the SmackDown vs. Raw video games, specifically 29 through 20, or uh, 2007 through 2011. Um, played those religiously growing up and got a good portion of my um, young music taste from it. Like Skillet, um, Rise Against is actually heavily featured on quite a few of those. Um, so I got a lot of... Rise Against is just a good band, in my opinion. They're phenomenal. I really want to see them live someday. I 
hope they're, to. They're one of those bands where you either like it or you just don't. And I am... I luckily like it. My mom is kind of neutral. She, she's like, eh, they have some good stuff. Very happy that a majority of the people I hang out with are actually super into Rise Against. Um, switching over to iconic soundtracks, throwing in my money for Pokemon. I love the little classic Game Boy beeps and boops, as Exotic called them, for the original trilogy of Red, Blue, and Special Yellow Pikachu Edition. Um, specifically, shout out for the gym leader battle theme. I, anytime I need to like focus like deeply on something, will oftentimes just pull up a loop of that and just go to fucking town. If I'm cleaning my room, if I needed to write a paper in college, that is one of my go-to tracks that I'm just like, all right, we need to wind in, get shit done. Um, throwing in my weight for the Sonic franchise. I also had a Genesis for a few years growing up until one of the cats chose through the cords and ruined it. Um, so I was huge on Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So two tracks from that I want to shout out are Chemical Plant Zone, which is probably one of my favorite um, like chiptune slash 8-bit era songs ever made. It's absolutely fucking brilliant. Um, could listen to that song on loop genuinely for hours, and I have several times in my life. Um, in that same level, if you uh, are underwater in the chemicals for too long, uh, another iconic sound throughout the Sonic franchise, but specifically the Sonic 2 one is the most traumatizing and my favorite out of all of them, the Sonic Drowning theme which is literally six notes. It's just six notes that alternate over and over again. But something about that has just so deeply traumatized and is so thoroughly ingrained into several generations now of gamers, um, partially made worse by the whole Sonic.exe creepypasta obsession that reused that music ad infinitum um, and ad nauseum, really. But... You can't not mention the Sonic Drowning theme. It's it's iconic. And one of the most anxiety-inducing sounds in all of gaming to this day. Um, I want to touch on some more 8-bit stuff. I am a huge, huge, huge fan of chiptune music. And that is going to be the indie game Undertale um, and its sequels slash counterparts, the Deltarune chapters 1 and 2. I don't think chapter 3 is out yet. Toby Fox is generally insane. Like, genuinely insane. I don't know how he gets away with the compositions that he does. Um, I have listened to the soundtrack for Undertale and infinite number of times he is almost always in my spotify top 10 artists on my wrapped every single year um, if i had to give like three or four tracks from that soundtrack that just always stick with me it's going to be hopes and dreams um, which plays during the final boss fight during the true pacifist route of that game um, I found out my great-grandma died while listening to that once, so that's a whole thing. Um, let's see, Megalovania, you can't not mention that one. Um, music 
enthusiasts as well as like music professors literally like deconstruct all of the things that he does in that song all of the time because it is a genuinely insane composition um not to mention as well that toby fox is a huge fan of leitmotifs um his album for undertale is one of the most cohesive i've ever listened to save for destiny which i will be getting to later and i'm, I'm a real sucker for that i love attack into toby fox for a moment as well um one of the other ones i like from undertale i didn't mention it um but it starts with a b like birkenstrung or something it's for asgore yes 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 yeah i enjoy that theme um, but he also did do a song in Pokemon Sword and Shield. I think he may have done one for Scarlet Violet, um, but he did the Battle Tower theme in uh, Sword and Shield, which is also a bop. Does not all does not at all surprise me. Um, other tracks probably Spider Dance. Um, Spider Dance is just super catchy. The fight is actually kind of annoying, but um, otherwise a fan of it. Um, probably if I have to give just one more instead of just shouting out the entire soundtrack because it's amazing, um, probably Death by Glamour, which is the music that plays when you fight Metaton X, which is probably my favorite boss fight in the entire game. Uh, moving on, we're going to talk about the soundtrack for Terraria. Um, I know that not a lot of people here in this group either play it or enjoy Terraria. Soundtrack's a banger, though. Um, literally never get tired of it. And I don't necessarily need to, like, shout out any specific tracks there. Um, they're all great, in my opinion. So I guess now we will head on over to oh okay one more one more pit stop final fantasy 7 um obviously one winged angel is one of my favorite video game songs ever um sephiroth's boss theme is just so incredibly fucking menacing and it has gotten better with every iteration that exists of it um the original final fantasy 7 version is great the one that brought in the heavy metal guitars that everyone is now super familiar with was from the uh, film Ad Advent Children, and uh, which is like an entire separate timeline parallel to the video game um, that is also canon, which is really interesting. And then you get to the Final Fantasy VII remake that happened on PlayStation a few years ago. And I am obsessed with their version of One-Winged Angel because it does a weird combination of the original orchestration and the Advent um, children orchestration because originally Sephiroth wasn't supposed to appear in the Final Fantasy VII remake as they were only doing the first disc or mostly the Shinra Corporation stuff, which Sephiroth doesn't really appear in until the very end. Um, so it was actually a surprise to everyone who played the Final Fantasy VII Remake that Sephiroth was there. And the 
thing that made that version of One-Winged Angel so special, as well as Sephiroth's return, is that it more or less implies that he is retroactively changing the timelines, um, both the Advent children and the original Final Fantasy VII. So while it is a remake, the Final Fantasy VII um, remake, as it's called, is also a sequel to both the film and the original game. And the version of One-Winged Angel that exists from that uh, new version is just insane with what they get away with by merging the timelines. Um, and like, I think a lot of the threat and the realization that it is a sequel comes from that version of One-Winged Angel being so similar but so different from anything that anyone that has played the original two games or the movie um, recognize. Anyways, hopping over to Destiny 2, as all of us have mentioned, I have one teeny tiny qualm with everything that everyone has said about Destiny 2 thus far, which is that each uh, expansion and Destiny 1 and 2 have vastly different soundtracks and this and that. They don't. Um, there are new themes and leitmotifs that are added every year, but the music of Destiny 2 is actually a living dictionary of leitmotifs that they started building upon with the music of the Spears um, in Destiny 1 and the original Destiny 1 soundtrack that was built from the, the music of the Spears all the way until now. There are still leitmotifs from Destiny 1 that are used prominently in-game, like near constantly. There's one called Surge of Light, I think, that happens any sort of time that we are going through a new subclass, um, particularly light-based subclasses, because there's different leitmotifs for whenever we get new darkness powers. Um, and that was introduced in the Taken King whenever we got our different subclasses for the first time. Um, obviously, heavily featured in Lightfall is a remixed version of the Cabal theme, the Cabal Stomp, as well as some of the variants that were introduced in Destiny 2, like Be Brave, um, Resist the Legion, which Resist the Legion now has become a leitmotif that has evolved beyond the Cabal and is actually more of a theme of any sort of time that the Guardian has to go through a big struggle, um, which is the... Ba, 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 da, da, ba, ba, ba. Um, I think that prominently plays in the Arms Dealer Strike, but it also plays in a song that I will be talking about in a little bit here. Obviously, the darkness theme has constantly evolved throughout Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, um, which is just a simple little set of uh, tritones. The... That has just evolved from this very faint in the background 
almost quiet blink, or if you can blink with your ears, miss it type of note that is now as the rise of the darkness and the witness um, encroaching in our system and the battle becoming more and more serious has gotten louder and louder and louder and had more creepy resonant tones added in the background. Um, the witness even having his own variation of the darkness theme that is um, his and his alone. And obviously, of course, how could I forget the Guardian theme, the original title screen theme of Destiny 1 that permeates every, damn near every single song in every single soundtrack that Destiny 2 has to offer. They fit the Guardian theme just about everywhere that they can and that it'll make sense. And um, that is what keeps, one of the things that keeps me playing Destiny um, as much as it, as much as I do, is that the soundtrack is a living language um, it's in some regards kind of ruined Destiny for me at times, because anytime a new soundtrack comes out, I will listen to it before the expansion drops. Um, I really need to stop doing that though, but anytime I do, I can hear all the light motifs from the last nine or ten years and know, okay, here's what's going to be happening in this expansion. Um, here's the enemies we're going to be facing. The raid theme, actually. I was able to listen to for the upcoming raid dropping this Friday, the Root of Nightmares, um, and able to deduce a lot of what our raid boss is going to be, as well as some things that may not yet be revealed about this character, keeping it vague because I don't want to spoil for those who don't know yet. But overall, um, love the... Destiny 2 soundtrack so incredibly much. The song that I specifically chose for y'all to get an excerpt of, can't get enough of it, is Rolk's boss theme, The First Disciple, which I can go into the light motifs on. Obviously, there's the darkness theme, the resist the legion um, struggle theme that I mentioned earlier plays at that first little beginning of DPS moment whenever you get to the upstairs part of the fight. And then once the DPS actually starts and you're able to damage him, there's that triumphant guardian theme that's blaring um, as mighty as it's ever been as we are fighting the greatest darkness foe that we have ever faced at that point in the series. This literal manifestation of darkness that, for the most part, in that encounter is toying with you because he doesn't see you worthy of even being in his presence, let alone challenging him. You have a second part to this as well, though, which was original songs from from uh, games that you don't necessarily listen religiously to the entire soundtrack, um, but songs that deserve a you know yes I'll go out and I listen to it on their basis. So to open us up, I only have four songs here um, that are. They are from games that I enjoy. They're fantastic tracks, but the tr uh, the soundtrack itself, I don't care for the entire thing per se. 
Um, but the first one is from a uh, classic series from my family, Diablo. Um, and specifically the track that I ended up picking, I know most people would think Tristram because that is the classic Diablo soundtrack. And while I do enjoy Tristram and its remix of New Tristram, um, the one that I picked was from Diablo 3 specifically, and it's A New Dawn, which is featured prominently as the ending cutscene after you beat the primeval uh, on top of heaven. And it's just got such triumphant, swelling, angelic music to fit the setting for Diablo 3. Uh, it's hard to spoil a game that is almost a decade old at this point. Uh, spoiler alert, Hell took over Heaven. So when you finally beat over Hell, uh, Heaven restores and it heals again. And this track just perfectly encapsulates that moment that there is a new hope forming. The second track I picked uh, is also from another Blizzard property. Uh, it is from Overwatch. Now, you can argue that this technically isn't in Overwatch per se, but it was the track that was featured in one of their cinematics, which, you know, Blizzard cinematics for anything is fantastic. Um, but it was the one for the Dragon cinematic, which was used uh, for both Hanzo and Genji. Um, but that soundtrack there, um, it fits its setting beautifully because it's kind of a mix of both new sneaky uh like a future sneaky kind of track but as well it has the traditional japanese motifs mixed in there uh to fit the setting for both of those characters who reside in japan uh so i've enjoyed that one as well and it's found its way onto uh my playlist of songs that i'll listen to uh when i have instrumentals running in the background the next one is from another favorite series of mine that I've tried to get other people to uh, play, but it is just not their cup of tea or something. I don't know. They didn't enjoy it, which broke my heart, but it's Warframe. Uh, and the track that I've picked um, is what actually started to sell me in Warframe, because Warframe initially opens up as a very dry, repetitive game because at the time it was still a free-to-play in development. And while it's still currently free-to-play, um, they've definitely actually started fleshing out a story. This track is when they actually start hitting the main story beats, which actually absorbed all of my attention into Warframe uh, compulsively, which is this is what you are, when they reveal what you are. And it's a fantastic track. I will always recommend that if you're looking for something, that's a pretty good one. The other one uh, that I picked here, um, and I will probably get a snicker from Exotic from this one here, but it is the title track to For Forza Horizon 5, which is Encanto. Uh, it's an original, uh, original piece for Forza Horizon 5. It's all instrumental. Um, you can only find it on YouTube as somebody's rip um, because it doesn't exist for purchase anywhere. Um, but it's a lovely flamenco guitar piece. It's got swelling strings behind it. Um, and it's all done to the opening screen of Horizon 5, which shows you many different sceneries in Forza. And just any time that I have to hard reset the game for the weekly reset, when I can, I'll watch the uh, the openings uh, the opening cinematic more or less for it, and it's just a beautiful track. Makes my heart happy. I think I mentioned mine already by accident. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is my main one. Um, the theme songs for Kingdom Hearts one and two in particular are really good, and I quite enjoy those. 
So, I, I don't know. Like, not a lot of games pull me by a track, but I would say that one game that I did enjoy at least one song and nothing else of it was, oh my God, what's the name of this game? I literally had it while everyone else was talking about theirs. Jeez Louise, it's literally just one game. Oh my God. Oh, it's not, okay, so it's, drag, it's a Dokkan game, right? It's, it's, it's a Japanese, the Japanese game uh, that I play on my phone. Uh, it's Dragon Ball Z based, right? So each character, sometimes they have OSTs that are just like, like just instrumentals of like an opening scene of them like transforming or something like that. And it is for Gogeta, who is the fusion of Goku and Vegeta, of course. Uh, and that OST slams. I'm not a really big OST person when it comes to like uh, mobile games, but this one is definitely one of those ones that uh, I hold near and dear because first of all, Gogeta is like my favorite, you know, one of my favorite characters outside of Vegeta inside of Dragon Ball Z. Um, but I feel as though like the way they, they added the OST when he transforms kind of gives him that like, I'm bad as shit, I'm about to fuck you up really bad. Uh, and that's like just adds another level to it. But I would never de- like download OSTs from the game itself. But I did definitely like that one. And that's yeah, that's that's really it for me. Yeah. So to start off, probably what I've done by Lincoln Park from the Transformers, the video game based on the movie for the PlayStation Two plays during the credits. Wouldn't listen to the rest mm-hmm. of that soundtrack, but. You know, I'll plug Linkin Park any other chance I get. Um, what else is there? Um, this one's kind of weird, so I don't know how exactly to explain it, but the song I Made a Game with Zombies in it from the game I Made a Game with Zombies in it. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> it is, like, the the entire soundtrack for the game is that one song. Um I seldom listen to the entire thing start to finish anymore because it is like a 15 or 16 minute song, which it's great. Um, a matter of fact, I think they added it to one of the rock band games as a playable song at some point. It might have been Guitar Hero, um, but I will on occasion pull it up and listen to certain parts I like. Um I think the last time I listened to it start to finish was like a year ago, and I was like, hell yeah, this still slams. Uh, the one song from Minecraft soundtrack. Just a theme in general, That's, or just like... No, just the one song. Um, whatever song the yeah. viewer is thinking of is probably the right one, um, even if they're all different answers. I refuse to elaborate on which one I'm talking about. Just the one. Just, so just say one. Minecraft has many sounds. Yeah, the, the one. Many soundtracks. That one song from, that one song from Minecraft is my answer, um, as well. <laughs> my my boyfriend would have issues with that. <laughs> All right. So, um, so if you have anything to say about video game soundtracks, uh, send us an email by Monday, March 13th, 5 p.m. Central Standard Time to braincellpod at gmail.com. And we will be sure to read your response 
and uh, possibly discuss it if it's dumb or if it's good. I don't know. Whatever you send us. Um, the topic for next week is going to be basically just a big long list. Uh, it is our favorite games of all Ooh. time. So we're basically just going to go through a shitload of categories that I'm going to send you, like a comical amount. And then at the end, we're going to list our ultimate five favorite games of all time. So it will be a fun one. <clears throat> Lots of great games. I don't think Tron will be on that list, but it might be. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, favorite yeah, worst game? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so if you want to hear about how great Tron is, uh, listen to next week's episode or last week's. Uh, we have a nice in-depth piece on Tron and how great it is. So yeah. <laughs> so if you've made it this far, we thank you very much for listening. Uh, we are on some platforms, not all of them. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, yeah, a couple others probably. If you listen on any of the others besides the big three, uh, you are still a nerd. Um, Samsung Podcasts. Yes, of course. Uh, if you can give us a rating, I guess do that. Um, I guess that does something. We don't have any yet. That's why we're not popular. So... <laughs> <laughs> give us a rating and uh you know soybean will give you uh soybean will give you exclusive picks from onlyfans.com slash dad bod kitchen and tidy whities you might like it he does work out he is a military man yeah he does <laughs> First thing, first thing I did when I met him in real life was uh, we arm wrestled, and he kicked my ass. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, we did. It was funny. Right on, right on the hood. It was just like, all right, let's go. I was like, oh, right on the okay. hood of my car. Yep, I was like, let's do it. But, but with that, I've been one of your hosts, Exotic Miniman. I have been another Lightfire Fifty Three. And as always, I am the Bean of Beans, EJ Soybean. And as always. Um, but actually, never again. This has been signing off for the very last time, at least under this name, unless another of his name or similar comes along. Potato Bug Johnson. We'll see you in the next one. We fall asleep. Uh, <laughs> the last one me and my daughter love to fall asleep to is the theme song for Silent Hill. It's super relaxing hearing this creepy <laughs> theme. We <laughs> pretty sure he's I on Skyrim and not Silent Hill. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. I'm, I'm cut no. I just had that. I had that joke. Is when he was like, "Oh yeah, Dead Space is super creepy." Now the next one me and my daughter love to fall asleep to is Dead Space Two. <laughs> it's our favorite. <laughs> It makes us feel nice listen, and relaxed, especially with all listen, the sounds of Isaac Clark getting his head cut off. Listen, not those parts. It's just like you gotta, you gotta hear it. Like it's just, I'll, I'll send it to you guys later so you guys can. No, I've heard about it. it. It's just, it's... <laughs>
<laughs> it catches you off guard, right? Like, who likes eerie music? Surprisingly, I do. Like, no, I do. And you're you're asking, like, I don't again, know if you guys are into horror the games. Tone. Literally, literally played almost every Resident Evil game. Of course, I like horror games. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like Dead Space because they're constantly throwing a monster in my face, and that gets annoying. It's not scary. It's just like Resident Evil um, constantly throws quick time events in your face. Not that constantly. Only at the end game. And I intentionally make you miss three of them because they're the greatest deaths <laughs> in all video games. They were pretty good. 